Jesus, you're so good. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We bless you. We bless you. We want to enter into your presence with thanksgiving and praise tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you're wonderful, Lord. There's nobody like you, Jesus. You're the only true and living God. What a privilege to know you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Does somebody know how good God is? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated this evening. <clears throat> I was gonna I was gonna try to rile you all up and tell you to touch five people and tell them God's good, but <laughs> I'll save that for Sunday. Praise God. We want to jump right into the word of the Lord uh, this evening and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 5. And we're going to read one verse of Scripture there, verse number 24. Um, it is a privilege for me to be here with my friend, Brother Wyatt. And uh, I so much appreciate his friendship uh, over the years since we've known one another. And uh, you have a tremendous pastor. Amen. You have a great pastor. Praise God. And uh, I honor the man of God tonight from this local assembly. Praise God. John chapter 5. Now, he told me before I started that normally um, you don't go over three hours on a Thursday night. Is that correct? I just want to make sure I keep, you know, expectations up. Praise God. John chapter 5 and verse 24, uh, I was <clears throat> um, ministering at my home church in Waterbury a couple of weeks ago. That uh, When we had the snow on a Tuesday, a couple Tuesdays ago, that next day, Wednesday, everybody came in for church. And, and uh, well, I, truth be told, I closed my eyes while I was leading the service and singing the song to start Bible study. And I almost fell asleep myself. I was so tired of shoveling snow and everything uh, that went into that. And I said, man, I better keep my eyes open here. And so I started teaching. And uh, a little bit into my lesson there that night, I look out. And, man, there were a lot of heads that were bobbing up and down. And I felt the same way. So I said, let me have mercy on them, and I'll be short tonight. Um I don't know why I told that story, but I won't be too long tonight. Let me give you hope. I won't be too long tonight, okay? John chapter 5, verse 24. says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me 
hath everlasting life. Anybody want everlasting life? I want everlasting life. And the Scripture said you've got to hear the Word and believe on Him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I want to talk to you tonight on a very simple subject. Don't go back to the dead. Don't go back to the dead. We think in terms of going from life unto death, right? Our first conscious moment, we're alive. We think in terms of I'm alive now and eventually uh, if everything goes the way it always has over the course of time, someday I'm going to die. So we think in terms of being alive and going to death. But this scripture tells us that it is possible from to go from death unto life if we hear the word of the Lord and if we believe we're going to have everlasting life and we're going to go from death unto life. Now, it's important to define things according to the word of God, not bring our own definitions uh, <clears throat> into the study of his word. Uh, what does what is the Bible definition for believing? The the world's definition for believing is just I I think real hard or I I I believe something if I believe it real hard then you know maybe it'll happen. But the Bible defines believing as faith, which is knowing who God is, our revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus, faith. Plus works or obedience equals believing. You say, where is that in the scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked. James chapter 2, verse number 21. James 2 and 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So that that uh, equation is in there, faith plus works, faith plus obedience. If Abraham had not done what God told him to do, this scripture would not have been included in the Bible, but he did. He was obedient. He had a revelation of who God was. He followed through that revelation by being obedient to the word of the Lord. And the scripture says faith plus works, that equals believing. Now, I want to turn your attention now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read a little bit of scripture here and then kind of get to where we're going. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't forget that phrase that we started with. It's possible to go from death unto life. Now we're talking tonight on the subject, don't go back to the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 verse number 12 says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose 
from the dead. Everybody say, from the dead. How shall some among you, how say some among you, that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins." Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead. Everybody say, From the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. In verse number 12 of this passage, there's that phrase, from the dead. In verse number 20 of this passage, there's that same phrase, from the dead. In the Greek, the words are ek nekron. And those words mean out of, never to return again. You know what that means? Out of, never to return Again, this phrase is only used here in this passage when it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one to come out of the dead, never to return again. Aren't you glad you serve a living God? He's not still in a grave. He's not still in a tomb. He's not still buried somewhere. But He came out of the dead and He never returned back to the dead again. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now you say, He's the only one to come out of the dead never to return to the dead. And you say, well, wait a minute. There are other people in the Scripture who were raised from the dead, weren't there? That's true. In fact, the Bible records eight other resurrections from the dead outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Eight other people were raised from the dead, were resurrected, but they all eventually died again due to old age or whatever reason. Every single one of those eight that were raised from the dead eventually died again. And we're talking about don't go back to the dead. Keep that in mind. Does anybody help me? My mind uh, is a little bit fuzzy sometimes, so I need some group participation. Can anybody help me remember those eight resurrections from the dead? Does anybody remember one? You want to just shout it out? Lazarus. There's a good one. That's one. Happened. Is that in the New Testament or the Old Testament? New Testament. Okay, excellent. Anybody else? Talitha. Now, which one is that? Help me out. Jairus? Right? Jairus' daughter um, was raised from the dead. That's in the Old Testament or the New Testament? That's the New Testament. 
<laughs> Help me out. That's two. We got six more. Anybody can remember another person? Elijah, that's the widow's son of Zarephath, right? Elijah, that was actually the first resurrection from the dead that ever happened. Okay, that's three. How about another one? We're going to be here a long time. What? Peter, yeah, Peter. That was that was uh, her name was Dorcas, or they called her Tabitha. Both in that phrase. Is that the one you were thinking of? Okay, so we got to take one back now. We still, so we got we got Tabitha. Now I gave you the guy's daughter's name, so you should be able to help me out. We got Tabitha. We got Lazarus. We got uh, the widow son of Zarephath that Elijah raised from the dead. Does anybody tell me that other one that we just mentioned? His daughter. His name was Jairus. No, no, that's somebody different. He he was just sick. He didn't actually die. That was the centurion's son. That Jairus' daughter dies, and and uh, when when the woman with the issue of blood interrupts Jesus, he's on his way to to the house and and says, "Don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead." Goes to the house and raises her back to the. Okay, that's four. Anybody else? Now, outside of Jesus, pay attention. We are going to be here all night. Get in your Bibles, people. We're going to... No, I'm just kidding. We won't be long. That's four. Anybody else can remember somebody raised from the dead? What's that? Some hints. Okay, it's in the Old Testament. One of them... Was raised from the dead by Elijah. How about Elisha? Did anybody? You, he he got Elijah, but there was another one raised from the dead by Elisha. That was the Shunammite woman. Remember the Shunammite woman. He uh, Elisha goes to the house and and she doesn't have any children. She makes a, a room for him to to live there, to dwell there. She makes a place for the man of God in her heart and in her home. And he said, I gotta help this lady out somehow. What, how can I help her? And his servant said, she doesn't have any children. He says, you're gonna have a child this time next year. And, uh, they have a child and, uh, by and by he dies. And she goes to, to see him and says, you know, remember, uh, she sees the servant and he says, is everything okay? And she said, it is well. Even though her son's dead at home, she said, it is well. And, Goes the rest of the way, okay, and uh, Elisha helps her out. Child is raised back from the dead. That's uh, five now. Um, let's see. The the last one in the Old Testament's kind of tricky. Some people don't remember it. Um, there's another one. Let's see in the New Testament. How about there's another widow's son. The widow of Nain, um, when he interrupts the funeral procession, stops everything and raises the boy back to the dead, that's six. There's one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament now. Um, now, does anybody ever have, does your pastor ever preach too long? 
No? You guys are trying to stay on his good side. Now, if he were to walk out of the room and I were to ask that question, does your pastor ever preach too long? We might have a little different answer there. Um, does anybody remember that guy that was preaching a long time and something happened? The guy was up in the third story window. He was listening. All of a sudden, he fell out, broke his neck, and died. And Paul had to come down and pray for him. That was Eutychus. His name was Eutychus. The last one in the Old Testament where somebody died was was uh, the guy they threw his body into the grave, remember? And his dead body touched the bones of the prophet Elisha. And he instantly came back to life again. Now, we pointed those out, and I'll go through them in order just real quick here. The first one was the son of the widow of Zarephath. That's found in, if you're keeping notes, that's found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, Elijah performs this miracle. He Remember, he stands before King Ahab. He says it's not going to rain for three and a half years. It doesn't rain. Uh, It was during this famine sometime that Elijah goes and he seeks out the widow of Zarephath. The Lord directs him there. And remember, he said, make me a cake. And she said, we we only have a little bit of oil left and a little bit of meal. That's all we have. We're going to eat it, then we're going to die. He said, if you make me a cake first, everything's going to be all right. She does, and and her and the boy live. But a little while after that, the boy dies. And she comes to the man of God, and she said, Why did you do that? Why didn't you just let him die before? And so he goes and he talks to God, prays for the child, brings the child back to life again. And in verse 24 of... Kings 17, she says, Now I know, or now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. This is typical of Revelation. This was the first resurrection from the dead. And and she says, not just that you're a man of God, but there's a God for you to be a man of. Now I know that there's a God. Typical of Revelation. The second, so this was the son of a widow. The second uh, resurrection from the dead was the son of the Shunammite woman. If you study this out, you will understand that these are wealthy people. They, they have their, their well to do. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Elisha, the first one's Elijah. This one is Elisha. He performs, uh, this miracle. And this was, I told you before, I won't go into it again. This was the child that was promised by God. He said, uh, this time next year you're gonna have a child. And sure enough, she has the child. The child begins to grow. He goes out to the field to help his dad uh, working in the field. You remember the story. He says, my head, my head. He sends uh, the child home and, and the child sits on his mother's lap and dies. What does she do? Well, she put that child 
in the man of God's room, in the, the, the room she had built in her house for the man of God. She laid him on the bed there and she goes to see, and I won't go into all the details, it is well, all that, and, and Elisha comes back, prays for the child, the child is brought back to life again. The third resurrection from the dead is also, uh, I guess you can say performed by Elisha. It's in Second Kings chapter 13 verses 20 and 21. Moab was invading the land and a band of invaders interrupts this burial process. The Israelites are afraid of Moab, and these are soldiers that are coming through, and so what do they do right in the middle of the funeral? They cut everything off, and they take his dead body, and they throw him in the grave, and his body falls on the dead bones of the prophet Elisha, and immediately he is brought back to life again. The Bible says he revived and stood up on his feet. Now can you imagine what his day was going like? He was dead and he wakes up in a grave, comes back to life again. Can you imagine what he must have been feeling that day? Now, I want to point out something real neat to you here. Elijah, that's the first prophet, Elijah, Elisha comes later. Elijah, uh, in his ministry, performed eight notable miracles. Remember, Elisha comes along and he says, I want a double portion, right? I want a double portion of his anointing. You trace it through and look in Elisha's life. He performs 15 notable miracles, one short of a double portion. But God said, I'm going to give you a double portion, didn't he? So what happened? Well, I want you to know if God says something, you can count on it. If God said he's going to do something, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. It is going to happen. It doesn't matter if it looks like it's dead and over with and buried in the grave. If God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Even if it has to happen with the prophet's old dead bones. Praise God. I don't care what the enemy tells you about your marriage about your job, about family situations, about uh, your health. And if God says something is going to happen, it doesn't matter if it's dead and buried and in the grave. God's able to bring it back to life again. And so you see, in the end, the prophet Elisha performs 16 notable miracles. Now, the New Testament, I said I wasn't going to be long, so i got to move along here. The New Testament begins at this point. The next three miracles, or three resurrections from the dead, are resurrections that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself performs. We'll go through them quickly. The son of the widow of Nain, or as Sister Wyatt said, Naon, or something like that. I can't remember. I'm sorry, I pick on everybody. That just means I like I like all y'all. The widow's son of Nain. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. It's the funeral procession that's going along. This lady's husband's died already. This is her only boy. 
And now he's dead. And Jesus interrupts the funeral procession, stops everything, and says, don't worry about anything. Can I tell you, if you tell somebody, don't worry, when their child just died, you better have something to back it up with. He said, don't worry about anything. He stops everything, touches the casket, and the child comes back to life again. The next resurrection from the dead is the daughter of Jairus, or Jairus. Luke chapter 8, and uh, he comes to see Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to go uh, to your house. Thank you, sir. I'm going to go to your house. Maybe I, have I been too long? Did I just waste that battery? Okay. I, I'm, I'm, am I on a, like a one battery limit or we're, we're good, right? Okay. Um, so he, he, uh, Jairus comes to see Jesus, falls down at his feet. I'll do anything if you come to my house. My little girl is sick at home. How many have ever had a child that's been sick? You'll do almost anything. Uh, you know, you'd rather you be sick than that child be sick. <clears throat> I'll do anything if you'll just come to my house and help my little girl. But while he's on the way to Jairus' house, the woman with the issue of blood holds everything up, touches the hem of his garment. She is instantly healed of a disease that she's had for 12 long years. And in the middle of all that commotion, uh, a servant from Jairus' house comes and said, Don't trouble the master any longer, your daughter is dead. There's a message in there. Maybe I'll preach it on Sunday. Maybe not. There's a message, and just in case, I'll tell you the message. When they were headed off to Jairus' house, it was Jairus' house. Somewhere in the process, he turns everything over to Jesus and when they start heading for the house after his little girl's already dead, it only says they're headed to the house. He turned everything over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have anything anymore. And when you put everything in his hands, at first he's going and Jesus is with Jairus. You read it in the text. But when they start off after his girl's dead... Jairus is with Jesus. Who are you with? Is he with you? Is he chasing you around in your life? Come on, Jesus, I want to do this over here. Let's let, come on and bless me over here. I want to do this. Or are you saying, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you going? I want to get with you because wherever you are, that's what you're blessing. It's a good message in there. You need to not have Jesus following you around, but as soon as possible, you need to turn the reins of your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. That scripture in Revelation says He'll come in when you knock on the door. He'll come into your heart. How many know He'll come into your heart? When you knock on the door, He'll come into your heart and He will sup with you. But as soon as possible, you need to turn the tables on Jesus and say, I don't want you supping with me because I don't have much to give, uh, but I want to sup with you. It says he'll come in the door and sup with you and you with him. That's where we need to get, where we're supping with him. Praise God. 
Where are we? Jairus. He goes to Jairus' house. Little girl, I say unto thee, arise. She comes forth. That's in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, down to verse number 56. Next is Lazarus. My man right up here in the front row raised his hand right away, got Lazarus. That's probably the most uh, popular uh, miracle that happened. John chapter 11, verses 33 to 45. It's performed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's... Mary and Martha's brother that passes away. You can you can read all about it. Now, there's an interesting note uh, here. Uh, I think if you look at these resurrections so far, the first six, you see a three-step pattern. In the Old Testament, the first resurrection from the dead was the son of a widow. The second resurrection from the dead was the child of rich parents. And the third resurrection from the dead was a fully grown man after he was buried, the guy that got thrown into the tomb. Move ahead to the New Testament. You see a pattern here. The first resurrection from the dead in the New Testament was the son of a widow. The second resurrection from the dead, Jairus' daughter, was the child of rich parents. And the third resurrection from the dead in the New Testament was a fully grown man, Lazarus, after he was already buried. What are we seeing here? We're seeing that the God that raised the dead in the Old Testament, it wasn't Elijah, it wasn't really Elisha, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ working through these individuals. The same God that raised the dead in the Old Testament is the God that's raising the dead in the New Testament. There are not two gods. There are not three gods. There's one God, and His name is Jesus Christ. Praise God. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Praise God. Now, in between the sixth and the seventh resurrection from the dead is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes forth from the grave. In the plan of God and in the ways of God, in between the sixth step when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and the seventh step when you start to grow, that's always the birth threshold. Real growth begins after this step. Real growth begins when you receive the Spirit of God. I thank God for repentance. You can't make it without repentance. I thank God for water baptism in Jesus' name, for the remission of sins. You can't make it without being baptized in His name and having those sins completely washed away. But when you receive the Spirit of God inside of you, that's the power. That's the, that's the power that you have to rise to walk in newness of life. Things should begin to change at that point in your life. Praise God. That's not my message. I'm just to leave that there for your pastor to follow up with that. The seventh Resurrection from the dead was Dorcas, eight, uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. Her name was also Tabitha, the, the seller of purple. And then the eighth resurrection from the dead was Eutychus, Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. And let me just say, if you're going to preach for three hours, you better have the power to raise people from the dead. 
If you don't have that power, you probably ought not to preach for three hours. But Paul, he preached for a long time. Eutychus falls out and dies, brings him back from the dead, and he goes on preaching for the rest of the night till morning time. Praise God. There's probably a message in there somewhere. I'll leave that alone too. But all eight of these resurrections that we talked about where people were brought back from the dead eventually died. Right? Lazarus is not still alive today, is he? No. Uh, He eventually died and went the way of the grave. Eutychus is not still here. He eventually died and went the way of the grave. Our text from John chapter 5 told us that it is possible, though, to go from death unto life. We're going to read some scripture now quick that tells us that, spiritually speaking, we can be brought back from the dead. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's a good question, Paul. What about it? Verse 2, God forbid. Don't keep doing the same things that got you in the mess that you were in before you found God. Change the way you're living. God forbid you should continue to live that way. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also in the likeness we shall also, we shall be also, excuse me, in the likeness of His resurrection. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 10 says, And if Christ be in you, the body, this fleshly tabernacle, is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you hath he quickened. That word quickened means brought back to life again. And you hath he quickened who were dead. Now, were you physically dead? No. It's talking about your spirit. The Bible teaches us that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. It was your spirit that was dead. That part of you that was made for communion with Almighty God. And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God. There's another message right there. But God. Everything was going in the wrong direction. But 
God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved. Now, I wonder, that's talking about being brought back from the dead to life, right? Spiritually speaking. We're not talking physically now. We're talking spiritually being brought back from the dead to life. I wonder, is it possible, this is a rhetorical question, but it needs to be asked, is it possible after we receive life spiritually to die again? That's where the title of my message comes in. Don't go back to the dead. I wonder, is it possible to die spiritually? You know it is. You all know people. Perhaps you're one of them. I've been in that crowd before and lived an up and down roller coaster spiritual life. Trying to do, trying to live for God one day, trying to live for myself the next day. Doing what God wanted me one day, doing what I wanted to do the next day. You know it's possible for each and every one of us to live an up and down roller coaster kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus. It is possible to go back to the dead again, isn't it? How many, don't raise your hands. How many, You've repented of your sins. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But you walked away from the Lord for a time. I have an uncle who was out of the church for 40 years. Raised in the church. Left the Lord out of the church for 40 years. There were years and years at a time where we didn't even know if he was alive or dead. He's been in and out of prison. You name it, he's been involved with it. He grew up in the church, but he walked away from God. Forty years later, fast forward now, he comes down for a visit from Buffalo, New York to Waterbury, Connecticut, walks into the back door on a Saturday prayer meeting. We have prayer every Saturday at a church. and Walks into the back door of the Saturday prayer meeting and sits in the very back row. And we look back and all of a sudden in the middle of that prayer meeting, he's there speaking in tongues and dedicating his life to the Lord. He's now a minister, or he was a minister. He's passed away about two years ago. He was a minister in the church that my grandfather, his father, started. It's possible to go back to the dead. It's possible to lose our precious relationship that we have with the Lord. It's possible to lose that and go back to the dead again. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 it says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. 
The scripture that we just read points out to us that it is possible to after we have been brought back from the dead spiritually to die again as well. But what about that passage we read at the beginning from 1 Corinthians? That word that I gave you, that, that Greek word ek nekron, that means out of never to return again. I wonder... Is it possible to stay at Necron spiritually? What must we do to come out of the grave never to return again spiritually? There are no accidents in the scripture. Every word of God is divinely inspired. In fact, us apostolics, we even believe the, the maps in the, in the back of the Bible are inspired. No, we don't really. But we believe all the words of Scripture are divinely inspired and given to us. So why is that phrase in the Scripture, ek nekron? I think we can find something that will help us. What if we could find a key that would help us not to go back to the dead again spiritually? Is there some kind of a key? Is there some kind of a, a, a word from God that He will bless us with to help us not to go back to the... How many like doing that? You, you've lived there before where you lived for God one day and, and fell away the next day. You, you lived a hot and a cold relationship. I've been there before. It's not fun, is it? That's, I'd rather stay red hot for God every day and know and make my calling and election sure. So I think there's three keys to stay Eknekron spiritually. And I think we can find them in the commands that God gives when He Himself raises uh, the three people he physically raised from the dead when he was walking on the earth. Remember, the widow's son of Nain, Jairus' daughter, and Lazarus. There's three commands given in these three resurrections that I believe if we will do these, we will stay at Necron spiritually. So number one, the son of the widow of Nain in Luke chapter 7 and uh, you know the story. He stops the funeral procession. Don't be afraid. Fear not. And again, if you're going to say that, make sure you've got something to back it up with. And he came and he touched the beer or the casket. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. What's the command here? He was delivered to his mother. He was delivered to his spiritual authority. Remember, dad has died. He's not around anymore. His mother is his spiritual authority. And God commands for him to be delivered to his spiritual authority. The church in the scripture is always depicted as being the mother. 
you must have an authority that you submit your life to if you want to stay Eknekron spiritually. There are no such thing as lone rangers for Jesus. You cannot do it on your own. You have to have a spiritual authority in your life that you submit yourself to where you say, just like you are following Christ, I'm going to follow you. Can I tell you, you can't make it without a pastor. Thank God for a man of God that will come into a town and raise up a church and pour his heart and, and, and the things that the Lord gives him to give to you. Pour those things into your life so that you can grow spiritually. He doesn't have to do this. He could do a thousand other things if he wanted to and be successful. But God placed that man here in this church so that you can be saved praise God he delivered him to his mother he delivered him to his spiritual authority and if you want to stay ekneckron spiritually you've got to be a part of a church You've got to be a part of a church. You've got to have a spiritual authority that you're willing to submit your life to. The second resurrection from the dead is the daughter of Jairus. Luke chapter 8 verse 54 and 55. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. What was the commandment? In this, what? Shout it out. Somebody said it. Give her, give her some food. Give her something to eat. He commanded them to give her meat. Feed her. Can I tell you, if you want to stay Eknekron spiritually, never go back to the dead again spiritually. You have got to listen to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You've got to not only listen to the preaching and teaching of the Word, but you have to get in this Word for yourself. In the book of Acts, it says the saints of Berea, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily. Not just when I have an extra ten minutes in the week, I'll pick up the Bible and see if I can find something. Not just when I get in a crisis moment, I say, Oh God, I'm going to open the Bible and wherever it falls, that's what I'm going to do. No, you you write these scriptures I'm talking about tonight. You write them down. You dig into the Word of God for yourself. See what God is trying to speak to your heart. If you don't eat, you are going to die. If you don't get in the house of God to receive the meat, the bread of the, uh, of the Word of God when it's being passed out, if you're not here, you're going to die. You've got to eat spiritually if you're going to stay alive. Number three is Lazarus. You all know the story. He cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot. I don't know anybody that comes to God anymore not bound hand and foot. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them in verse 44, what does he say? Loose him and let him go. That's the third command. If you want to stay ecnecron spiritually, you've got to allow people to loose you and let you go. You've got to allow the people of God to loose you from your grave clothes. And people of God, can I talk to you until you don't bind them to their past? Who do we think we are that we can look down our noses at somebody that comes in from the world that's bound by a, a, a drug addiction or bound by some vice or habit of this world that's done some things that they're not proud of? Who do we think we are that we can look down on them and say, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like that? And sometimes when people come in the church, they still make mistakes. And we say, <coughs> you know, you know that lady, you remember what she did? We're not like that. We're, we're a lot better than she is. And we remind, don't you forget what you did. Don't you forget what you were involved with. And we keep people there under our foot. We keep people wrapped up in those grave clothes. Can I suggest to you that when God pulls you out of the dead and you're there with those fig leaves of your own doing, you sewed those fig leaves together and you said, Don't I look pretty, Jesus? That's your righteousness. But the scripture says, ain't none of you have any righteousness at all. All your righteousness is just as filthy rags. Can I suggest to you that you allow him to remove those old dirty grave clothes? You're exposed. You're bare. People will see you for who you are. But can I tell you, you allow him to clothe you with robes of righteousness. You allow Him to put His righteousness on you. And what He pulls out of the dead and takes the grave clothes off and what He clothes with righteousness ten years ago was a drug addict, but today is standing up in a pulpit somewhere preaching the Word of God. Why? Because the people of God loose that individual and let him go. Let's stand together this evening. None of these three things can be accomplished by yourself. You need the help of the church. Right? You need a spiritual authority. You need a church that you attach yourself to. You need a man of God in your life. You can't do that on your own.
Number two, you've got to be fed. You've got to dig into the Word of God for yourself. You've got to pay attention to the preaching and teach. How many have ever had an experience where you know the pastor didn't know the circumstances of your situation, what you were going through, but he got up on a Sunday morning or a Thursday evening and the lesson he taught or the message he preached was exactly what you needed to hear. He didn't find that in a magazine somewhere. It was Almighty God that whispered into his ear the word. Could have been preparing that message three or four weeks before the crisis ever hit your life. Don't you know God loves you? God puts a man in this pulpit to speak words of life to your heart. He loves you. He wants you to be nourished. But you've got to get a hold of it yourself. You've got to receive. What does James say? That we should receive the engrafted Word of God which is able to save your soul. And then number three, loose Him and let Him go. Don't bind people to their past. Don't bind people to what they were. God has been good to us. He's, he's forgiven us of so many things. Every one of us would be embarrassed if we started writing on these whiteboards here all the sins we've ever committed in our life. Every single one of us would be embarrassed for that to happen. If you're embarrassed, the other guy's going to be embarrassed too. Why would we want to do that? Well, because I get to stand here with my head, with my foot on his head. And it just shows him that I'm a lot higher than he is. No, we all come to God the same exact way. Loose one another. Don't bind them to their failures. You're going to make a mistake that you're going to need another brother or sister to help you from, from time to time. Loose people and let them go. Let's raise our hands together. Come on, we don't want to go back to the dead. We don't want to live that roller coaster Christian life any longer. We need the touch of God in our hearts tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You need to make a commitment tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna submit myself to the man of God. I'm going to get into this thing. If you are on the fence about it, you need to make a decision tonight. I'm going to get into this thing. I'm going to be a member of this church. This is my home. I'm going to submit to the man of God that he's placed in my life. I'm going to make room for the man of God in my heart. I'm going to be a part of a church. I'm going to feed on and feast on the Word of God. I want the milk of the Word, but I don't just want to be sipping a bottle for the rest of my life. I want the meat of the Word of God. I want to dig into it. I want to allow God to speak to my own heart and life every day. And then I want to be loosed. I'm going to allow the church to loose me and let me go. I'm going to allow God to put robes of righteousness on me. I'm going to allow Him to cleanse my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to go back to the dead. I don't want to go back to that old life any longer. God, I want you in control of my heart. I want you in control of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Come on, let's reach out to Him just for a moment this evening. Commit your life to Him. Commit your heart to Him tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I want to stay at Necron spiritually. I don't want to go back to the dead. I want to stay alive spiritually. I want to go from death to life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. 